0: Get your likes out of the way. Get your, in hey, my case. Oh,
1: Hello. So, so, so. You know, you know. Like, you know, you
0: so.
2: know. Hey, everybody. Welcome to episode 64 of Coffee with Butterscotch, the game dev comedy podcast of Butterscotch
0: shenanigans. I'm Seth, and I'm the Games Programmer. I'm Adam, and I throw bits through intertubes. Uh, I'm Sam.
3: I'm Carol, and I scream about <laughs> video games. <laughs>
0: and today is September 13th, two thousand Thor- 14th,
2: Thirteenth,
3: thirteenth, Seth was saying earlier. Because yep.
2: it was named after Thor, ah, the Lord of The teens. bearer of great 13th.
3: hammers.
2: Yes. Mm. And uh, warning, anything can happen on this show, there's going to be profanity, uh, like cursing, Lewdness, shrewdness.
3: Possibly nudity.
2: Yeah. Nudeness. Mm-hmm. So
0: we'll just describe it to
3: you. Excruciating <laughs> <laughs> detail. It's oh, it's horrible. It's horrible. Oh, graphic. It's oh
0: gosh. We'll also make you listen to it.
3: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so
0: What's if you're not sound? into if you're not into listening to nudity, <laughs> I think if you can hear nudity, that's pretty much the that's
2: creepiest some, form. Although that's some good nudity.
3: You might hear a lack of beard brushing against Sam's microphone. because oh, his face yeah. is nude. But now that's you'll hear true. the
2: whisker. The, like the me, whisker sandpaper that. sound. Right
3: <laughs> 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 That's the sound of a naked chin, yep. my friends. Yeah.
2: <laughs> I shaved my beard off. So I guess the point of all that was, hey, if you don't want to hear nudity and profanity, then go away. Okay, let's get started. What happened in the past?
1: Okay, so I, have, I, I need to past? talk about something very important. What happened in the past? Uh, I found a huge, fucking huge... Caterpillar uh, on, my, <laughs> on my welcome mat when uh, my fiance and I got home from some Halloween decor shopping. Did it, was it s- say anything to you? It was it it sending home? you a message? I think it was because it was on my welcome mat. So I was it smoking a hookah? That would have been a amazing. Tiny, <laughs> <a> tiny,
3: <laughs> tiny, tiny caterpillar. Ah, <laughs> you.
1: I'm assuming this is a reference.
3: It's a reference Alice. to Alice in Wonderland. Come okay. on,
1: I get the reference. Right, okay. I did. Uh, woo. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so uh, we arrive home and this huge caterpillar is taking a residence on the welcome mat, which being human I naturally assume means this is mine now. So uh, the mat you're talking about? The living animal. Okay. So <laughs> I go inside, get a Tupperware, start stabbing holes in it. And um, the caterpillar? And also- <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
3: stabbing
1: holes in the Tupperware to make a little ter- terrarium, which is what we used to do as kids all the time, uh, and then bring this thing inside. And meanwhile, I play that game that we talked about a while ago with our druid dad. Right, took a picture of it, sent him a picture, and I said, Dad, what's this? And then within two minutes, he texted me back the, <laughs> a proper, probably, and he actually name. guessed the correct yeah. species name, um, as well as what it needed to eat, why it was probably on the welcome mat, which is <laughs> apparently because it was done eating, and it was about to cocoon, so it was trying to find a place to cocoon, which so, is the only reason why they're but on the why ground.
0: why would the welcome mat...
1: Be, it probably fell out of the, there's a Japanese maple and it eats maple leaves. It eats any yeah. hardwood tree leaves, So it probably, it So am was was like, probably, oh, like, probably, probably like, oh yeah, I'm assuming there's a Japanese maple
2: nearby because that's the only circumstance in which this caterpillar would be on a welcome <laughs> mat. <laughs>
1: Basically. Basically. That's exactly right. Yeah. Yeah. So it was
3: just looking for a nice warm place to live. Yeah. yeah. yeah.
1: so uh, Which it found. So I provided that. Um, and it's currently, it it sort of, it scoped out the terrarium I'm building for it, which is just a little like four by or six by four Tupperware box of leaves and grass. Very And perfect. the tiny
0: hookah you carved, I yeah. assume. Mm.
1: For when it gets, you know, when it gets a little riled up and needs to calm down. Oh, and, yeah. uh, <laughs> and it just curled up in there and then, so it, it kind of scoped out the area for a while and then curled up under some leaves and hasn't moved, which is perfect because either it's dead <laughs> or... It's, morphe- uh, it's, morph- it's the morphing. It's time. Which, by the way, is the weirdest shit when you think about it, because caterpillars completely melt. They inside, liquefy. They Ooh. liquefy inside the cocoon and reassemble themselves into something else entirely. That's
3: <laughs> so fucking cool. Isn't how that insane?
1: how Star Trek works with like the teleporters?
3: Yeah, you get kind of you thing? get uh, decomposed. Well, not decomposed. You <laughs> you get you particulated de- basically, mm. and so your pattern, your your self. Becomes a digital pattern or something like that. So you die. You die and then you're reformed. And that's why Scotty didn't well, want to ever. Well, you're not
2: reformed. Somebody well, uh, some is... copy of you is with, with your
3: exact set of memories and yeah. yeah. Do they send patterns. the same
0: particles or do they disassemble you? And you're and dead. They find other particles somewhere else and I
3: reassemble them. I think that's how it them. works. Yeah. 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 yeah.
0: Which means you died.
2: Yeah. yeah. You super died. But and that's also. Casual about it.
3: Yeah. That's why there's uh, really awesome, weird uh, plots that happen with the like. The teleportation stuff because mm. there's one where spoiler alert in voyager two people became one person and it was so fucking weird <laughs> were, they they of, were they some
2: kind of them somehow were there some kind of mutated horrible yeah. monster it oh it was, was
3: like well, the capri no. sun yeah. <laughs> no i wish it was like the capri sun but it was like these two people just like it was two different species of people and it was two completely different personalities and they just like merged into one single human and it was really weird what? for that person's wife <laughs> oh, one of that, one, one, of, that one of their lives.
0: Do they ever clone themselves using that technology?
3: I don't. Nothing. I aware. I was reading something
2: about you can this. Just make
0: as many copies as you want. Because I always true. found this is a fascinating
2: philosophical argument of if you get deconstructed mm-hmm. and a copy of you comes into existence that that has all of your memories and everybody else talking to that person, you know, is one hundred percent convinced that that's you. And so is it. Yes, and it is convinced that it was you. Yeah. And because it remembers your entire life leading up to the teleportation moment, mm-hmm. then did you die?
0: Well, yeah, because you could also clone that person. Because you could have made yeah, two uh, of Because
2: apparently there's some episode... I just remembered the where, episode where of Star Trek. ...where there's a malfunction yeah. and it makes copies of people mm-hmm. instead of teleporting them. Yeah.
3: Yeah, well, there's Ooh. an episode of Star Trek, spoiler, in TNG where... There is a point at which one person is split into two, and th- hmm. they don't discover that until years later when they rescue the abandoned person from this like space station from a decade ago, and they realize they have the exact same memories up until that point when they were split, and then they became completely different people. Uh,
2: so it's yeah. not a teleporter;
0: it's a human copy.
3: It's a human. Yeah, copier. it's a human yeah.
0: copier. Then you murder one
2: person. Right.
3: <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You Actually, but get- no, you, you murder people twice because you make a you. But does it kind murder, murder, murder the person? Make a copy of them somewhere else, then murder that one. Make when you a new bring a copy it on the other yeah. side, again. but does that does that kind of murder? Is my question. I mean, you killed the shit out of somebody. Yeah, but you but, but you also continue. But you broke them. even, yeah. right? Because you yeah. replaced them with a copy, so it's fine, right? So is that like if you shred <laughs> a piece of paper that you photocopied, you haven't actually shredded? It's kind of like
2: of? I think it would be like putting a a piece of paper in a copier that copies and shreds. Right. Mm. You mm-hmm. put it, it
3: copies as it shreds.
2: Yes it makes so like at the end of the day you still got a piece of paper that looks exactly like the one you started with
0: you know so yeah it's fine yeah. right and mm. so you're saying in that scenario you did not murder one piece of paper have you ever but seen movie if you tr- just tried- no I'm saying it doesn't matter that you did
2: yeah
1: okay it's not, that's what I'm saying it's not murder anymore it's something else that we don't have a word for
3: have you seen the movie Primer sure it's just
1: straight up murder yes
3: <laughs> where Primer's it just good. <laughs> it, it becomes just straight up murder yeah. Yeah. Primer? Yeah.
0: Primer yeah yeah
3: yeah it's weird it's good alright this if, is all about spoilers Every go watch it <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> kind of mind boggling. So yeah, how's the
2: caterpillar doing
1: anyway? <laughs> <laughs> so we need Lenny. Uh, he's a Saturnidae moth, which turns out to be uh, one of a few species of gigantic moths. That what are you going to name list. it when it metamorphoses? Kravitz? Are you going to train it? I'm going to train it. I'm going to bring it to the gym. There's a Pokemon Go stop. Yeah. I'm gonna go throw it down. Bring your
0: giant moth. He's, <laughs> he's a bug type, obviously. <laughs> yeah. go fuck yeah.
1: some Shit up. Um, yeah. So so Lenny's he's all curled up. Uh, we checked in on him. He is changing color a little bit. So I'm assuming don't
3: he's, he's, he's like either that? rotting, he's either
1: riding, or he's cocoon. I can't tell. Uh, they form like a hard brown. Like some of them bag. stitch a thing. Yeah. They don't they don't spin a silk okay. thing. So
0: their their outer layer actually they turns like sort of turn
1: into a bag, ah.
0: which is and weird. then they melt so and cool. then they melt
1: inside of it and turn into something else. And I think I can't remember. Pretty sure there's there's a few studies that they've been done where they tried to see if essentially the conditioned responses that they got if they could condition caterpillars to respond to something poorly. If Did it, caterpillars learn,
0: like, well, no, if it, it, well, if, well, if do it they remember
1: stuff, well, yeah, yeah, But and it was a, it was a yes.
0: What, what can what can you teach a caterpillar?
1: I don't know, but probably something about just shocking the shit out of them when they stand on something. That's what they always do. They're like, yeah, we, we need to shock, we need to teach Here this animal. Here's some
3: cocaine. Let's electrocute. <laughs> Is
1: that's your pretty typical lab experiment. Yeah. yeah.
3: yeah. Every time I've been experimenting, with it, I don't know
1: how <laughs> yeah. it works. Yep. Cocaine, cocaine and electric shocks. Here we go. But yeah, so apparently they, <laughs> they do remember, they do remember across the metamorphose line, which is even crazier. I wish there was Since a they thing. They completely. I wish but there was a thing that melt.
2: humans could do to level up like that, you know? Because like caterpillars are just kind of like this dumpy little like pudgy tube. <laughs> you like then, the
1: final form?
2: Yeah, and then they're just like, okay, I ate a shitload. Now it's go time, and then they just liquefy and become this badass flying monster. Speaking of eating
1: a shit though, these caterpillars eat 86,000 times their weight in two months.
3: What? I can relate. While preparing. To eat <laughs>
1: they don't weigh very much. They don't weigh very much, but still. Wait, proportionally, is it's that is, still That is unreal. How much does a
0: person eat and as a function of their body weight over their lifetime?
1: Over their whole lifetime? Yeah. I don't know. How much do we eat a day? Like, how much a do you, it depends on how much you
0: poop. You
2: probably yeah. eat a pound. Seth eats like a, eight
1: pounds of meat a day. So he's a yeah. top level example. So
0: it would take me. Was that like 20, 12? It would take me like a month
2: to eat my body weight at okay. that rate, right? Mm-hmm. So you're 12x every year. Yeah, that's not even close not to even caterpillar. Close.
1: Huh. They got a lot of they got some they gotta melt. Some good eats. They gotta do some stuff. That's, yeah, That's pretty radical. Uh but aside from my caterpillar news, uh well, I was also about, leaves <laughs> have
0: like no nutritional value. So you probably have to eat that's that many true. leaves.
1: But apparently they don't cause that much damage to hardwood trees. Cause everyone's always like, Oh my god, these caterpillars are fucking up my trees. Wait, do they eat the leaves or they yeah. eat the tree? They eat the leaves. Oh, but you can have you, you can have caterpillars. You, can just grow those back. you remember those those uh uh Tent game? moths, Tet, tent worms. Tent moth worms things. They would form these big nets on the trees out by the driveway, and then you had to go out there with like a flamethrower and burn them out because they would just eat a whole tree and kill it. Yeah.
2: I assume the flamethrower
1: is a, it's it one that a doesn't hurt trees. Well, no, no, no. It's I mean, a tree. It's better to, it's a scorched earth <laughs> policy, so you just burn off.
0: Yeah. Oh, I see. It's the like, reason, it's like
2: amputating an infected limb. Yeah. Well, the, the reason, reason we the, the
0: trees die isn't because the worms eat
1: them, it's because you have to use a flamethrower. <laughs> It's a very off.
0: complicated
2: ecosystem of
1: consequences. In yeah. retrospect, there's probably a better tool to handle that. <laughs> but when you're a teenager and you have a chore to do, and there's and you've got and a, a flamethrower, flame you and just have thrower. Thrower you a flamethrower. When it, when your flamethrower, everything looks you know, like a nail. Kids male. will be kids with their flamethrowers. <laughs> what it is. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, but anyways, I want to talk about some some industry stuff this week. Actually, a little more than a little more than usual. Um, there's a bunch of, been a bunch of cool stuff in the news recently. Interesting stuff. And the first one we'll talk about. Is Super Mario coming to mobile?
3: Woo! Uh,
1: So let's talk about that.
3: (laughs) Yeah, I'm really curious how it plays because I love old Mario games, but I get really bored of them because they all play exactly the same on Mm -hmm. console. And so I'm really curious. They are saying that it's gonna be a single like a single, yeah, a single touch input. Mm -hmm. So you can play with one hand and just hopefully Such it's really well designed for mobile yeah. um, but I'm I'm kind of curious because I'm a little bit wary about Nintendo's ability to actually harness mobile after Mitomo which I thought was <laughs> poorly designed for mobile and just like didn't really like tried really hard but really didn't capture what they were trying to capture but what was it?
0: They were because, like, because to me that that was the most confusing thing about Mitomo is I like I right. looked at what it and I use it and I was like, why? So we need I, a, we need probably a brief
2: synopsis of Miitomo. Yeah. because I didn't know what this was until earlier today.
3: Yeah. So
0: for our listeners, which is also an important point, I think
3: yeah, that you weren't, any, even, remember, you weren't even aware that it was a thing that yeah. happened. It was yeah. it was Nintendo's first ever foray into mobile, and so this was their mobile app that they released as a kind of a social networking app with maybe six Miis. months ago. Yeah, it was something like that. Yeah, yeah. and you you sign up with your Nintendo account, you create a me, and you add your friends, and you answer questions like totally inane live journal style, like "What did you eat for lunch today?" Hmm. sort of questions, and you just have conversations with your friends as me's, which is really cute in theory and Mm -hmm. can be really funny. But my issue with it was just that they didn't they didn't design it well for like short spurts, um, Hmm. and it was like. The, when you logged in, you just got repeated pop-up notifications, and it was just like the barrier for entry was just really kind of frustrating. So right, it didn't for me. feel
0: like a normal mobile experience, yeah. where I think you just pop open when you got a moment and do a thing, and then put yeah, it away. yeah,
1: interesting, yeah. So the the format of the Super Mario game is it's a runner, mm-hmm. so they've already gotten of course uh, critics from every corner of the internet are like, you're making a runner, which is one of the most saturated genres on mobile. Um, They are making a runner for Super Mario. But with that IP,
0: though, I mean, they got so much IP power. Yeah.
1: It's gonna be ridiculous. But it's also yeah. the interesting thing uh is that it's gonna be pay up front. It's gonna be a premium game on mobile. And people are starting to just people I think are they're gonna sell the fuck out of it. Oh yeah, they will. People are They'll openly, openly asking sort of what they think the price is gonna be. So just to go around, let's 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 take some future bets.
0: Wait, wait, before we even do it though, are they also gonna have IAPs?
1: No. So no IP. Pure pay up front. Pure premium. That's a good no, they they said they said it in a oh. yeah, I've looked it up before this. They said it in a little uh I mean, who knows what will actually happen? Yeah, it might change, change. But,
0: but... Things change, yeah. But I just want to say before I even speculate on price point that I'm really glad that one of the big players is coming in and being like, you know, guys, come on. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> let's let's go back. Let's. We, it doesn't have to be the way that it is right. right now, right? People will buy stuff if you give them something of value. Of value, right? Yeah.
2: It's like the scene in South Park where Jimmy makes peace between the Crips and the Bloods by having a lock-in <laughs> right. and saying, guys come on. <laughs> and they're all like,
1: yeah, yeah.
3: <laughs> come on. Come what, do on you guys,
1: guys. <laughs> what do you think the price is going to be?
3: well uh, historically nintendo for mobile games has charged 30 bucks i don't think that that's going to fly in the mobile market mobile is in handheld for, as for handheld, handheld, sorry. For yeah. Yeah, handheld games has yeah. charged 30 bucks 30 to 40 depending on the console right. true so i think i mean and if you look at other nin- previous nintendo ips like final fantasy coming to mobile those are usually 15, 15 20 bucks
0: yep. yeah um how so, much are those on handheld though or they 30 have or 40. Okay. So they yeah. still knock it down significantly. Yeah. But yeah. Okay. I'm hoping it's at least 10 bucks. Yeah. Yeah. yeah like Because yeah, Nintendo, there, there aren't very many players in any of these markets that really could go in and just be like, no, we're going to change how things are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and Nintendo's one of those few that really, I mean, who knows if it'll be successful, mm-hmm. but I think they could sell... a Mario Runner for 10 bucks. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, that's the interesting thing because the, the running genre is so devalued now though. Yeah. I think this is one really interesting but I problem. Think, I think
0: Nintendo though is sort of genreless, right? Because you don't they see are. it as a runner, you see it as a Mario game. Yeah. Right. Well, I mean, you could think that's the same true. thing about um the
2: sort of like geography based uh augmented reality area, which was dominated by Ingress. Mm-hmm. And by, by dominated, I mean very few people played it. Right. Um, and there were a lot of conceptions about the feasibility of that kind of stuff. Right. And then Pokemon Go happens and the whole universe has it on their right. device. Right. So because of the strength of their IP, they just get to change the rules. Yeah. And right. change people's perceptions right. of things. <laughs> so hopefully they embrace that and they don't just go,
0: well, you know, mobile. It's $3. Yeah. 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 yeah I'm, really, I'm really excited to see what they do because I think that, that could be, and especially that the relationship between Apple- And Nintendo is at least in this specific instance is positive enough that they're kind of working together to do this because, because Apple has also been kind of moving in the direction of favoring premium again um, and try to move back towards that model. Uh, And so I don't know. I think, I think it's a good thing for.
2: Well, especially with
1: that someone's remarking that Nintendo does not put their games on any other system yeah and this is like mario is the nintendo yeah. core ip yeah it's a big move yeah so i really i do really hope it goes well for just this whole slate of reasons but also because i mean it, it could help open up the premium marketplace a yeah, and player. also
0: make nintendo maybe a little friendlier to cross platform stuff which would be I good know, which in turn maybe will make playstation and xbox and everybody right. a little friendlier towards cross-platform because as we talked about previously that just makes less and less sense over time, and players are increasingly confused by right. by uh, cross platform restrictions. Mm, right? Yeah. yeah.
2: There's plenty of room in the market for multiple
1: platforms, you know, to to be successful. So.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. Right. Yeah.
1: Next thing we want to talk about, speaking of platforms and their shenanigans, uh, Steam had a huge update where they changed how they handle uh, review scores. So, do we know
0: when that change is effective?
1: I think it already happened. Okay, like they just they just did it Steam as they Steam style. Nice. So, uh, so let's first back up and talk about what what from a dev- game developer standpoint is the importance of those reviews so that people know why it is that this is we should say should what yeah, what the change is also. Yeah. So, yeah. well, one of you just take take the piece as far as like sure. Yeah. Steve, so Steam reviews. But, why do they matter to us?
0: <laughs> okay. So before we talk about what they did, we're going to talk about what what the effect was on right, which was on Steam reviews. They changed how the Steam review things are 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 uh, converted into sort of player review scores on on Steam. Uh, so the value of, of reviews is that, as far as we know, one of the, the indicators that other players, if they haven't bought a game yet take when they go look at like a steam store page or anybody's store page is what other players think about the game which they get by either reading reviews if they want to spend the time doing that who knows how many actually do or more likely just going and looking at the review overall sort of total score whether it's overall positive or mixed or negative to decide if they want to buy this thing
3: and how many other people are playing exactly because they will see how
0: many people left scores and then what the kind of average of that score was Uh, so we've talked at length about other platforms and how kind of shitty these systems tend to be um for lots of reasons but but, but what Valve did uh, was they kind of took. They were approaching a different piece of the problem than what the typical one is we talk about. So, so for them, they were they were noting that. Uh, so I guess the other thing that Steam does is they allow developers to sell keys to games outside of their own platform. Mm-hmm.
1: Or, which or means give we keys can, away. Or, yeah, give or keys, keys give away. away. So we can actually generate. We could generate ten thousand codes and sell them on our own site or sell them through Humble. That's how Humble runs. It's how uh, GOG and these other stores. If you sell a Steam key through them, yeah. It's also
0: or importantly. We could give it to somebody and be like, hey, I'll give you a free Steam key if you go leave me a nice review on my game. Yeah. Which happens. Which happens. And so basically what what Valve statisticians had noticed was that the review scores for, for keys coming from outside of Steam tended to be significantly higher than those coming from within Steam and they interpreted this as evidence that people were kind of manipulating review scores by
1: doing something giving away free keys Time-time bribes you know basically right and there are services this exists on mobile already it has for a long time where you can pay to get positive reviews to views. get positive reviews yeah we've been solicited by these
0: companies on yeah on and YouTube we also
1: Instagram. were accused of it with Crashlands because our game score is so high everyone's like you totally paid for reviews we're like no yeah, we, didn't.
0: we did not have enough money to get that many positive reviews <laughs> <scores. laughs>
1: uh, it's very flattering that you think we cheat exactly, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, but
0: it does also happen for real and this, this is is a mechanism by which especially on mobile because those are so chart dominated that new games take a whole bunch of money and mm-hmm. throw it at these companies to get basically chart boosted up to the top right so that they can try. I'm not saying that the company chart boost does that that's, really right. <laughs> yes. that's the name of that company <laughs>
1: Uh, not the just, same. An <laughs> just an
0: unfortunate <laughs> coincidence um, i get
3: why they're named that now yeah. it does make yeah. sense though right
0: <laughs> uh and that's, that's what they try to do is they try to get you to the top mm-hmm. presumably using non using legal, legal and ethical means exactly yeah. uh and so so anyway so this is kind of the, the ecosystem that steam keys live in and and the review scores uh and so anyway so steam noticed that, that this was happening and they thought okay this is a problem because it implies to us that people are manipulating game launches by getting a whole bunch of early reviews which as far as we can tell from the outside steam takes into consideration when deciding how much to feature your game Mm -hmm. so if you have lots of really early really positive reviews then you're more likely to get more featuring makes it sticky it makes it sticky and also that's done always at the expense of other games because Mm -hmm. only so many games can be shown to people at once right and so as a as a means of fairness they need to make sure that these things are legit and so their strategy was to say okay Because this seems to be a problem, we're no longer going to count review scores towards or reviews towards the review score in the case that those come from outside the store. Right. Which means that you can no longer give away keys uh, in in return for positive reviews, which is a good thing. But it also means that any keys you sell externally, like through Humble or through your own site or whatever, in a legitimate way,
1: also don't count. Yeah. Including the ones that we sell individually if we're at, say, a, a convention or something.
3: Which are likely to provide better reviews because those people met have us. met us and have- Played the positive, demo probably. Yeah. Yep. They have just positive feelings toward the exactly. game. And toward right. The and
1: studio. so it's one of those situations where, uh, so the, the platform just suddenly moved on this. This is one important thing to know. And this is what a lot of, a lot of times uh, developers complain about with the platform holders is that they often just do a thing without- necessarily saying hey we're about to do this or getting any sort of town hall meeting Yeah, there's no town hall (laughs) which is fine but um it tends to throw people into a bit of a a tailspin because it can suddenly mess up your day um if it's the case that you have for example uh kickstarted a game if you had say fourteen thousand backers or something who you gave keys to those keys no longer count toward your review yeah
3: that's absolutely right and most
1: importantly
0: those people already have your game, which means they're not going to buy it. Like, those yeah. are the people who are most in your game and who will buy it, etc. And they're now now they can't provide a review score right. because you've already given them. And yeah, the pick.
2: important you're, note you're here... people who are pumped about it and who probably will even positive review. Right. And yeah, the probably. important
1: note is that yeah. you can still write a review, right? So you're, you're not blocked out of the review system. It's just that your review does not count toward the percentage that people see in the overall aggregate at the top of the, of the game page. Yeah. And so a lot of people, a lot of indie devs in particular, have come out being like, hey... Um, essentially, okay, it's fine that you did this, but we need at least a better system to be able to account for these things because it's really interesting. So, so um, if you request keys, you often give a purpose for your keys, right? Yeah. Um, through the through Steam, and so I could I could foresee a, another sort of down the line branch of this happening where they where you say, okay, I'm giving these to Humble or whatever else. Like these keys are for Humble, um, and then those keys because Valve would presumably. Could presumably have that database of keys in the back, as far as who they're belonging to. Um yeah. That they could then well, count those you as legitimate. Gave them yeah, it, right, assumes, which is it assumes honesty. Which, and yeah. so there's this is and this we something we've talked about this quite a bit. Where there's always a lot of cool features in games or even in platforms or whatever else that you really want to do and really want to give people access to. But no matter what, you have to take in that really annoying question of how is it that people are going to abuse this thing?
3: Yeah, and so this happens. You can't do stuff
1: right. And Steam's. Uh, um, I mean, they they have they'll have difficulties like any review thing does of having review bombing happen where a, a small contingent of the player base will get very upset about something um, and potentially just go in and completely drop a game's review score right. because the game is already
2: reviewed by a very small
1: percentage of the player exactly. base. So it just takes a vocal other small percentage of people to right. come in and you know, crash it. And so. so there's been a lot of people have been trying to figure out how to even do review systems in a way that, that actually works. It's fair to not... say that
0: everyone is doing a bad job.
1: Yeah. It happens to be one of those systems that seems like maybe it's just a bad... Well, no, it looks to me like everybody system.
0: cloned the same system. Yeah. Without ever thinking, is this a good system? Yeah. <laughs> could, yeah. could this be better? They just cloned it, and mm-hmm. then everybody has the same... Shit. And to me, actually, Steam is one of the best because of how simple the system is. It's just thumbs up and thumbs down. Would recommend,
2: would not recommend. Exactly. Yeah. So it's
0: very clear. Like When you, as a reviewer, are writing a, a thing... Yeah, you can complain about specific features and so on, but in the end, it collapses down into a very clear idea, which is do you think other people should play this game? Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Where on the mobile platform or anything that has a five star review system, right? right, the fucking numbers don't mean what, anything. Yeah, what those players stars mean is completely independent of everything. Yeah. yeah. Right. And so Three
3: stars because I couldn't get past the first level. Exactly. Right. Yeah. So, <laughs> so there's no,
0: you're not incentivized to do anything in particular. So you just do what you want. And what players tend to do is, is, attempt to coerce those systems into things that allow them to control the product that mm-hmm. they're, that they're trying mm-hmm. to get, which you do see on steam with review bombs, but you see it much more. So will change on review once developer
1: the implements does X thing. And they also have that feature on steam, which the mobile storefronts currently don't, don't have still, which is the, uh, you can, you can suggest that you found a review like uh, useful, mm-hmm. right? Right. Which right. means that instead of having a dog pile of like just a ton of reviews or whatever else from people, um, or I guess even, you can just see essentially which reviews people gravitate toward most as far as uh, what knowledge they're actually getting as far as purchasing the product goes. And so you'll have the best reviews essentially drift to the top. Mm-hmm. And that actually makes it so that there's higher quality reviews. Like if you read the top Steam reviews, they're usually, they're usually hilarious. Yeah. yeah, they're usually very funny. Like there's a whole Steam sort of a uh, culture community around writing these ridiculous reviews. Yep. They usually run really good games, right? They write just really sassy, funny articles um, that are actually fun to read, which is not the case well, at this, all.
2: This, this also kind Very of reminds well. me of the recent edition of the the recent review score mm-hmm. to Steam. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because it's it's an interesting problem which for- Which Apple also
0: has.
1: Yeah. yeah. Uh,
2: mm-hmm. Apple has it for recent versions of the game. Right. Uh, So every time you put a new uh, version of the game up on the app store, then it starts over with a new batch of review scores that it shows people.
3: Even for super simple updates, like we fixed this tiny little bug halfway into the game. Or we fixed a typo. Yeah, a complete refresh of reviews. Mm -hmm.
2: Um, Which is why in, in some cases people are very wary about like if they have their game being well received, they're very nervous about the idea of updating it. Mm-hmm. Uh, because then it strikes
0: all those positive reviews. Yeah, and right? a bunch of early bad reviews will then make everybody be like, "Oh, this game this must have gotten worse," right? Mm-hmm. Even yeah. though it's just a statistical anomaly of. Yep. Yeah, because if yeah. you see five bad reviews and no other
2: reviews, but it's just because you just updated it 15 minutes ago, then that will hurt your game, right? Yeah. Um. So, but with the with the concept of the recent review score on Steam, it's a 30 day sort of like trailing. Yeah, There's a rolling average. Kind yeah. Of view. Um. But what's interesting about that is and this is particularly true for people who are really into a game is it always happens that people are more excited about a game when they first get it than they are several months later right mm-hmm. and the more people the more time people put into an individual game the more they notice the flaws and the more they scrutinize things mm-hmm. Um, And so this is it's it's always kind of like a weird, ironic thing when you see somebody who leaves a review score and they say would not recommend and it shows how many hours they have and they'll have like 3000 hours in the game. And they're like, nobody should play this. Here are all of the following things that are wrong with this game Um, when really they've still enjoyed it enough to put 3000 hours into it. But because they're so close to it now, they're going to they're gonna downvote it right yeah um so the so recent review scores are actually typically and if you look at most games Pretty negative they tend to be
0: more negative they tend to be them.
2: more negative yeah. than the overall right which is I think a very interesting
0: well it's weird because what you know what problem was that an attempt to solve I guess I suppose people putting out bad updates or something
2: I think it was a, I think it was probably an attempt to solve the struggles of early access games yeah where you know if they have unimplemented features and things are broken or whatever and people leave negative reviews at the start and then they improve the game over time and they add new stuff and then they count over time it goes up, right? Because early access kind of works the opposite where you launch something that's basically potentially broken in a lot of ways um and people are supposed to understand that whereas when you launch a finished game then it's supposed to be good to go and everything's positive and it trends the other direction yeah right? i wonder yeah, if so. they
3: just need a completely separate system for early access reviews you know like once Probably, you actually yeah. launch they just wipe the wipe the slate clean but maybe that would also be damaging yeah i mean right. there's just there's just so much nuance to it that it's hard yeah. to say any one given system will work
1: well it's a tricky thing i think adam's point is just that Basically, the way everyone's done it is just the way everyone has done it from <laughs> yeah. some arbitrary point way back when. We need when, we
2: need some metric, right? Of when what game is good, reviews. and what's um, not,
1: and and there is a kind of that question of if both what is this supposed to be doing, and what system could better serve that purpose. Mm-hmm. Um, and I honestly don't know because it's like a really hard one. And the, this has also been a problem. I think there's a there's an article in New York Times about uh, sort of the savagery of the modern citizen when it comes to doling out reviews for things because everybody's basically a boss now and so they talk about Uber. you go, to, Uber yeah, you go to a restaurant
2: you're like i'm gonna re- review yeah. this
1: on yelp you review on Yelp. I didn't and like
2: the clam chowder and they talk about how
1: it, it starts like it slowly turns people into their sort of worst envisioning of a boss right where they're yeah. like well it takes the it takes the the customer
0: is always right model which is the worst fucking it model
1: gives them <laughs> a lot of power, right? Right. Or it gives you
3: a perceived power. It gives you perceived power. power.
1: Well, actually real power. In the case case of Yelp, it does. In the case of Steam, it it does. Especially with some of these, uh, these interesting things like the recent review systems or the, the update reviews, um, because those exposed moments in which, there are essentially weak points Mm. where one person can suddenly have like a huge weight uh, in terms of overall score. And so the article is basically talking about this is actually a huge problem. It's it's industries wide. It's just a general problem people have. Um, Now that everybody gets to review everything. Yeah. Because on Uber, they had the same thing happen where of course you have five stars technically. Yeah, but if you shitty, don't have you <laughs> don't have above four point like three, you mm-hmm. get Nobody, yeah, you both get kicked out of the driver's system or something like that, yep. and then also nobody actually will accept you as the rider. And the problem is that you because right, writers also riders reviewed, reviewed. can be reviewed. You <laughs> didn't yeah. know that. Yeah. if
3: you if you barf in the car, you get one star.
1: Yeah, which really is great. weird because shouldn't that be zero stars? <laughs> <laughs>
3: You'd be
2: like, eh, you I mean, they got in the car they successfully operated repeat. the handle, so that's worth a star.
1: <laughs> but I think it's an interesting so. thing because they talk about how it, it's supposed to be a thing where it sort of keeps everybody accountable and builds community trust when in reality it actually erodes it constantly. It's because adversarial at It's times. adversarial, yeah yeah well yeah, so. and, and,
0: and again it's because that no metric has been put on the fucking review system right it's just yeah. here's a star mm. we got five of them <laughs> just, dole just dole about you. What it whatever as whatever right. random fucking metrics you <laughs> right. feel like instead of having saying, the
1: binary ones better because there's less yeah exactly and that's why steam sure. is better because
0: right. and, and again but it's, it's more that they attach they attach a meaning to it they say if you recommend it to other people, give it a thumbs up, right? And so now it's not an arbitrary system of just how much do you think this is good. Well, I'm also for... curious
2: about seeing other metrics come into play, like sort of decision metrics. So, for example, being able to look at a game on Steam and seeing what's the median playtime? Yeah. Right? Mm. Like, do people, like, it has a positive review score, right? But have people only tended to put, like, 30 minutes into it? or mm like if a game has a negative review but then you know a lot of these people who are reviewing it are these people with four thousand hours in it i'm like people are playing the shit out of this mm-hmm. maybe it actually has something to it right hmm. so it's seeing those other kinds of metrics kind of mixed in and being visible i think would actually be kind of helpful for deciding
0: yeah well know. and then also having the, having a review system if you're gonna have something with more than one point of just like recommend or don't um then actually have a metric you know a, a true value associated with that thing so that you can decide what that means so like just things like does it crash repeatedly yes or no yes or no <laughs>
1: right? well it's almost like breaking in that breaking the normal categories to get lumped into say a yeah, into system generic- into right. discrete systems where you say okay would you recommend it on a gameplay level yes. exactly would you recommend it artistically yes you know right. that sort of thing Maybe that'd be a more interesting way, and then
0: never fucking aggregate those, right? Or doesn't yeah. lump them together into one five star review. Instead, show all of the metrics so that somebody who really cares about, say, narrative, mm-hmm. yep, they could be like, oh, this. Everybody who has rated this thing thinks it's got great narrative, right? And now you say, okay, this is a game that I could probably get into. Mm-hmm. Um, Airbnb
3: does that for really? their yeah for for places where you can stay. They'll have like cleanliness level, yeah. noise right. level, location, things like that, safety. And that's something that I value a lot when yeah, I'm looking at the Yeah, because you can decide what's because-
0: important to you when you're evaluating that. Thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
3: And I think yeah. that's a great idea to pull that into yeah. something like media and entertainment yeah. is like, these are the things that I care about in media. These are the things that don't make much of a difference. Right. And I think pulling in playtime and stuff, because I know that when I look at stuff like Amazon reviews and I, I'm looking at something that could break, you know, I'm looking at like, a for example, uh cookware or something. Mm. Yeah. And- Somebody who leaves a review like, I just got this two weeks ago, I love it. And then there's another you know, review underneath care. it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's another review underneath it that's like I've had this for a year and it's corroding. Like that's the one that I care about. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's no way to there's actually no gauge score. that. There's right. no well, there's no way to gauge that easily without reading intent intently.
0: Yeah, because uh, the they don't just give review. you metrics to choose from. They just say, write a review and give it a rating.
3: Yeah. Right. Yeah.
0: Hmm.
2: Well, this kind of actually, not to draw the conversation too much, I guess, but this does kind of come back to our creator, Crashlands Creator patch yeah. that we're working on yep. because we want to have a thing called the Creator Browser or something, mm-hmm. yeah. which is basically a way for you to publish a campaign that you made in the Crashlands Creator and make that available to people. Mm-hmm. And- with any kind of system like this, discoverability is a problem. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like if there's 5,000 campaigns up there, which one do you play, right? And so review systems operate uh, to try to combat this problem, mm-hmm. right? Filter the good stuff to the top, like the Steam reviews, how mm-hmm. those work. Um, but if your review system is... Arbitrary or unclear or bad, then it doesn't even solve that problem, and it muddies the waters of helping people trying to figure
1: out what is good. So you're yeah. saying we're actually going to have to solve this problem. We're going to have to. In like, I three mean, yeah, weeks. like we're
0: we're we sort of armchair quarterbacking here, right? Well, but-, but what do you do? I mean, I already coded this thing. This thing exists. Yeah. So right? we have some ideas, and what it has to- is a you can leave two kinds of feedback. It's either you leave praise or you leave a suggestion, hmm. right? And in the box before you even can type anything, the placeholder text tells you. To be nice, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm going to be implementing a a bot that just works in the back end that if you're a person who leaves a whole bunch of suggestions and never any praise, it's just going to stop taking your 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 feedback, <laughs> right? Because you're now a negative person. You're just we don't marching want to... around.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah throwing, and, and then we'll probably
0: yeah. delete all of your previous comments. And so this will just all be automatically happening in the background because we want to keep the thing to be a useful, productive space where those comments are productive and valuable to the community yeah um and also every comment should be flaggable every comment should be right because even even uh the stuff that is particularly frustrating is that given that the platforms know that people review bomb and that sort of thing there's no way for other people although this is starting to exist some places but uh sort of the helpful thing i guess in steam doesn't we can mark a thing as helpful um but there should be a way just to be like a button that solves exactly this problem where you just say unproductive right right because then if enough people vote a thing as unproductive then just Delete it. It just shouldn't
3: even yeah. be there anymore.
0: Well, yeah, and then of course you run
2: into the Reddit problem. Now people exploit of mm-hmm. the downvote not being something because, like, because the the premise of Reddit is supposed to be if something uh, does not add to the conversation, then you downvote it because it's distracting from what people are talking about. Yeah, uh, but of course, once the mob gets involved, it becomes I disagree. I do not want other I don't agree with this. I don't like it and I don't want other people to see it either. It's more than just the mob
3: at this point. It's just it's I like this or I don't like this, as opposed to this is useful or this is not, you know adding to the conversation. Yeah. So
2: lots of, lots of challenges. <sighs> led, <sighs> kind of.
3: Yeah, it totally feeds in. I mean, like there's a, a greater discussion that's, that's hugely important, but really hard to broach of just how do you build a positive community in yeah, general, yeah. especially in entertainment where people tend to lean toward critical and mm-hmm. tend to lean toward cynical mm-hmm. and negative. Um, and it's, I think it's really interesting and I'm really curious to see how the creator rating system works and does because it's something that you don't see very often, that kind of approach. And um, to see whether or not it actually fosters the positive environment that we want it to foster is going to be really fascinating and could potentially help Shape the way other people incorporate rating systems into their.
0: If it works, yeah. And and I think one of the things there that that to me is really interesting that we've also talked about a bit in the past, but that part of the reason for all of this happening is that all of these platforms where you can comment on stuff have put a have basically not necessarily even explicitly, but definitely implicitly stated that your opinion is important here. Mm -hmm. No matter what garbage you throw at us, Mm -hmm. it's important, right? (laughs) And I think having a platform that doesn't do that, that actually says there's a purpose to this, right. And frames it as this is, this is for you to build the community in in a constructive way. And so that, and we literally just will throw away your comment if it's garbage, right. You don't, you don't get to just put garbage on here and have this freedom
2: beer. of speech. Yeah, exactly. yeah, there's no. Yeah.
0: There is no freedom of speech on a on a, or there doesn't need to be freedom of speech in a private on community. a private community, yeah. and there shouldn't be because why would that be a thing, right? You can't. When the only
3: people who screech freedom of speech are screeching it so that they can have their so shitty. That, yeah. It's never yeah. nice people who are
1: right. like, "Hey, I really wanted to say a super nice thing, and but you, you wouldn't let me, me freedom of
3: speech." Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's always, it's always interesting ask who the argument's coming from the majority of the time and usually
2: yeah Well, it's also <laughs> the case that, that it's, it's it's there there are several ways to approach a conversation and if you're coming into a community who you disagree with about yeah. some certain like fundamental things um in a lot of time like a lot of times if you come in there and you say hey i don't agree with you on this um here's my opinion and i'm wondering what you guys think about that you know like if you're actually coming into it in an in open-minded way in good faith yeah. Then you will rarely, if ever, be censored, yeah, right. Uh, in any community, right? because people because people take that as like, Oh, like this person is genuinely interested in learning and it's a teaching moment. It's a teaching opportunity for us to educate them about what we believe, and yeah. what we think, yeah. right? Except
0: the one exception where where people frequently come in posing as they're doing it in good faith, but actually doing it in bad faith. And then they start causing casulating. that community start a fight, yeah. <laughs> for, and then causing that community to just assume everybody is coming in in bad faith. Yeah. Which you see happening a lot, especially in social justice warrior situations, right? Where where there are communities who are trying to provide positive spaces and stuff, and then people come in and start questioning it questioning at first. Yeah. As, As if they're like, I don't get it. Can you help me understand? But then it clearly quickly becomes actually no. They they do. Right. They have an agenda here. That there's that's
1: interesting. I think the there's an interesting line to write on a lot of this stuff because uh, it's hard when someone's kind of being an asshole. Not not so much that you could just be like banned. You know, that's the easy yeah. situation. The question is when we've had this in our subreddit actually quite a few times. Where just the way someone asks a question, they're just but being they're just mean. a little aggressive about yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> and it's hard because you can't. You don't want to just throw it out because they're not they're not quite crossing well, the see, line. Well
0: see, and that's exactly it is you can just decide if you're close to the line, we're gonna throw it out. Yeah, right. we could just do that. Which I think is is, is to me is the best solution. Because there's not a quite and it's
1: But only and, provided and, and, that there's a piece of feedback that goes back and says, Hey, yeah, yeah right. We yeah. found the way you phrased your question or whatever since unnecessarily aggressive hostile. and hostile. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. we don't play it that way. So yeah. do it again if and you so want. Do replacing. it again. <laughs> <laughs> but this, it's so weird because people people ask a question where they're like, um uh, and one of them was about how long it took to get like the mega gong thing, um, and instead of it, like the, the phrasing could be, uh, "Hey, you know, I, I found it takes a while to farm up the mega gong.
3: How uh, the fuck long do I have to keep grinding for right. this thing?
1: Uh, why the fuck <laughs> did you guys do it this way? This is such a terrible idea, or like that sort of thing. Um, it's just weird because you can you can always choose for the most part." There are very few subjects in which you have to take a completely aggressive stance. I can like I can't really think I of any. I don't you actually think want to have, it ever helps. <laughs> yeah. If you <laughs> ever, if you just want to have like a good community or a good community discussion, phrasing things in a hostile manner just doesn't, doesn't ever do good because yeah. people can't respond actually about the thing. They have to respond about the way that you phrase it, Yeah, them, okay. which means it should just be removed. Yeah. there we go. Okay. Well, I guess I solved it.
0: Boom. Done. Done. Good job team. It's polluting the entire thing. Yeah. Uh, I just think anything that's even, and it's, you should have basically a set of rules that are clear, right? where, but the rules are about the intention. It's not about the letter of, of the rules. It's about the spirit of the rules, mm-hmm. right? And and allow for a lot of leeway so that somebody who thinks that someone's creeping up on a line can just delete it, right? Mm-hmm. You can yeah. allow for really, really aggressive moderation, basically. And then and you can keep communities clean. Don't out. be a jerk
2: policy. Yeah. 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 Which we have. Not yep. even a little. Don't be a jerk. Not even a, a little, little. jerk. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You can't be a little jerk. All right. Speaking <laughs> of...
1: Uh, reviews and stuff um there's an interesting game that came out last week which has actually been getting a couple weeks i think now two weeks ago three weeks ago however many weeks ago sold rather well on its first uh day and this is the world of warcraft expansion okay i was was waiting with
0: anticipation what is this (laughs) game yeah
1: where i'm getting at with this is that the the last one also launched to great uh review and to great hype Mm -hmm. and then that died after about six weeks and so what started
2: to become the, the negativity started to creep in after two weeks, okay. there was so- a, there was an obvious, um, there was an obvious excitement about it because so much time was spent by Blizzard on the the leveling. So every time they release an expansion, they raise the level cap. So there's a new set of zones to go to, to quest through and, you know, all kinds of new things to see. You're getting new skills for your character and new, 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 everything's exciting. Um, once the leveling is done, then that's where you spend most of your time because you cannot, you can't go up past mm-hmm. the maximum level. It's referred to yeah. as
1: end game. The end game. Content. So this
2: is where uh, you, this is where the challenges of the game start. So all of the, the interesting, difficult, you know, uh, boss fights and the raids and the group content that you get together with your friends and you, you know, every week you go fight these bosses and stuff. Um, and that's where people spend years, right? Because they'll level up to the maximum level in a week or two mm-hmm. weeks. And now they're at the end game. So, uh, yeah, with the last expansion, they, they clearly put tons of time into the leveling experience. Great cutscenes, voice acting, tons of cool story stuff. Great zones, um, lots of dynamic things to do where, like, instead of just, oh, go kill 10 boars, you know, it's like, oh, like, escort this person, and like, jump in a tank and then, like, drive it through and there's a big army and there's crazy shit happening and explosions. So it was a
1: bit more of a spectacle. It was. There
2: was previously. a lot of spectacle in the leveling, um, but it was clear that they allocated most of their resources into that. And then once the end game started and people settled in and the excitement died down, people were like, there's nothing here. There's nothing to do. Like, they forgot to put the, the ending on, right? Um <laughs> And so we're now sort of hitting that that two-week mark. And so I decided to pick up uh I decided to pick up the game over the weekend and give it a play. So I'm still in the leveling stage. So for me, it's very it's exciting. Still fun, yeah. It's very exciting and new. And and uh but the reason I was I was going to wait for a while before picking it up to see what the response was. Because I was like, if it turns out like last time, then that's a huge bummer, right? right? But at the same time, so many people are hyped about it um that I have People coming back to play who I haven't played games with in like eight or 10 years because they stopped playing, you know, back in 2008 or 2007 Mm -hmm. or something. So I was like, you know, if it doesn't turn out well, then these people aren't going to be playing a couple weeks from now because they'll just be bored and they'll stop. Right. And then I will have missed that one time in an eight year span that I would have gotten to actually like play games with them again.
1: Um, Just saying the the entry fee is worth it alone for just, yeah, just to like. Good, yeah, good times. Yeah. Which is,
0: but then it's weird to me, the idea that uh, if you have a blast, like you play this thing for two weeks and, and when we say play this thing, this is World of Warcraft, that means like fucking six hours a day for two yeah, weeks, right? You can you, so can you really play, play the shit out of this game <laughs> and then you get to like the end of all this awesome, amazing stuff with this great experience of playing with all your friends you haven't seen in 10 years or so and then at the end you're like, and then you get to literally the end of the game, which for anything except for something like World of Warcraft means you go play something else now, which mm-hmm. is fine, mm-hmm. right? You just go play another goddamn game. But for some reason with World of Warcraft, if they didn't provide stuff that satisfies your like
3: grinding well, so there, there's and a lot of need that. for that Skinner yeah. box. Well, there's a lot
2: of interesting things at play. I think it's a lot of people started gaming through World of Warcraft. Right. And they don't view themselves as gamers. They don't play games. Right.
0: World of Warcraft is their they play World of Warcraft. A, it's,
2: yeah. Like yeah. they got into it through that. And that's yeah. the only game they play. It's the only game they know how to play. It's the only game they care about. Um, and there's a huge social aspect to it, which is, uh, you know, playing with all your friends, and then being like, "No, oh, I'm gonna go play Rocket League now, right?" Now you have to convince everybody. Hey, could you go? Like, do you want to buy this game? Do you buy this game? Do you have a controller? Do you, what's your Steam ID? Like, you you got to suddenly coordinate all mm-hmm. this crap. Right. Oh, when are you gonna be on? Like, let's let's organize this. But if it if it comes about that people just kind of establish the habit of. They get home from work. They have some dinner. They open up World of Warcraft, right? right. And their friends are just there because everybody just goes there. It's, it's like it's going their to the park. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So because it's such a, a universally easy access point, then the game needs to provide all these things for you to do because that's where you're. It's that's where your social space. Yeah, it's where that's where you're defaulting into as your social group. Right. So uh, if it doesn't do that, then people do still get bored because just like sitting there talking to people while like standing around in your sweet armor. Um right. is not as interesting as going and like doing interesting challenges with those people right. and stuff like that. So
1: Well, they talk about this with uh g- general social game design, is that friendships you want to provide a space such that friendships can emerge from the game from the game content. And the problem basically is in any multiplayer space is that if it's a if it's a game that has an end, which the previous expansion basically did. Yeah. Whereas <laughs> there's essentially what happened. Right. Whereas the, all the previous ones you could go uh, you essentially go keep on hanging out with your friends you met in that context. Um, it's very hard to move those people into a different context. It's like when you have your work friends and you try to mash them up with like your hiking buddies or something. Yep. And yep. there's always, you know, anytime you try to merge your groups together, oftentimes there's a bit of conflict, a bit of grind. And, and oftentimes you can't actually effectively do yeah, this. So I mean, I, people I've in had, are
2: I've had friends who I'm still friends with, um, who I've known since 2005, 2004. um, who I met playing world of Warcraft and I will probably have spent hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of hours playing with these people in world of Warcraft, if not even thousands by this point. And when I try to get them to play another game, I can barely get 10 minutes out of them before they just get bored and go back. (laughs) Right. right? Um, So it's context dependent. Exactly. Yep. And so, you know, that's why it's like, it's this exciting moment. The game just came out. Everybody's back. Everybody's playing. Uh, So I guess I can't, I can't say anything good or bad about it like it's super fun right now Mm -hmm. but that's not what it's about right it's about creating a long term social experience and so time will tell whether or not it's going to actually succeed at that this time so yeah yeah. but anyway
1: we'll see verdict is out let's take some questions Cool. okay so uh, questions going to come from podcast.bscotch.net you can ask them with the bscotch ID to get a cool coffee with butterscotch perg or not and just be anonymous it's cool too uh, and we go through the questions every week, pick some of the good ones, read them, and then throw our opinions into the ether. A
3: couple of our cents,
1: a couple of our pennies. pennies. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, uh, the first question comes from Skeleplexus, who asks, "I just found your bundle of joy on Humble Bundle. Do you plan on releasing any other games like Gerblins? I really want to play that game. I hope oh, it well for you guys and Gal
0: Gerblins."
2: Yeah.
1: So, the question is, do you plan on releasing any other games like Gerblins?
0: Uh. Like. As in a game like Gerblins or actually
3: Gerblins, as yes. source code or actually game,
0: actually
1: as game. Actual. <laughs> what was the what was the Gerblin sequel name we came up with yesterday? Uh, the Gerbleginning. The
3: Gerbleginning. Yeah. The Gerblinnings?
1: Er, but the Gerblins too. Uh, the Gerblining.
3: The Gerblining. Blur,
1: the Blurginning.
3: The Blurginning. Yeah. The
1: blurginning. We've actually been uh, tossing around trying to figure out how exactly to publish smaller games under the Butterscotch umbrella now because it's fun. It's super fun to crank out a game and kick it out the door, not not give a damn, not giving a fuck. So uh, <laughs> we do need to figure out how to do it. So maybe maybe we will. Re- you know, re- I don't know. Grubbins. No don't
3: guarantees. Know. Who's no guarantee. To say. <laughs> That's right.
1: <laughs> uh, PR PR hero. Yeah. No
3: promises. Wanted, but maybe. <laughs> All
1: right. Yeah. Next question comes from Hawks Rock Two Hundred and Fifty. What was your favorite moment at PAX and why?
3: Uh, would you like a butterscotch candy?
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, Carol had this. Just pocket full of butterscotches.
2: People come walking by, and she just like. Creepily whip one out and just hold it and just stare them down.
3: I wore an old lady sweater and just like filled my pockets and just like I'd hear somebody be like, butterscotch shenanigans? What is that? I'd just turn around, look them in the eye and go, would you like a butterscotch dandy? <laughs> and it's amazing how many strangers will just gladly and joyfully accept. My favorite candy. part is
1: that you were wearing a sweater that was actually covering up your, my your shirt. Name? So, they, so didn't they, they, they didn't know. They didn't know if you were. were open could have been in
3: front. They're just
1: like, well, yeah, I can't.
0: yeah. I'm Love
3: butterscotch.
0: Yeah. Okay, this is just some <laughs> random old woman who just hangs out by the butterscotch candy yeah. booth. She
3: just loves candy. <laughs> <laughs> but like seeing people's joy, like the joy on their faces, as soon as you say the word butterscotch candy, everybody had the same reaction. Unless they were like, "No, sorry, that's bad for your teeth. I'm not into right. that." There, yeah,
0: were, there people, were a couple of those. Yeah. yeah, or people who don't like butterscotch, which I don't quite. There's a. There was one.
3: Yeah, well, I've there heard were a few. Couple. Yeah, yeah. They,
2: they
0: come in and they be like butterscotch shenanigans, and we're
2: like, yeah. And they're like, I don't like butterscotch. I <laughs> <laughs> okay. do
3: not like it. <laughs> well, it's just no. it's like slightly
0: fit. burnt sugar. Yeah, you know, delicious. It's so like,
2: good. How could
3: you? But um, yeah, that was, my, that was one of my favorite memories. That and I, I did a karaoke night. It's like my new favorite thing to do at events. Is like mm-hmm. book karaoke.
2: If yeah, if in the future, if any of our listeners are at an event that we are at, chances are Carol will be somewhere. Singing and just Sc- screaming Britney Spears into a microphone <laughs> or something.
3: I didn't do Britney Spears this time. That's good. I did. I did "Bitch" by Meredith Brooks. It's a great song. That's a
2: good one. That is. That's your
3: favorite song. Isn't it is it? my favorite song. Yeah. It's my favorite karaoke song. Yeah, that's a good one. <laughs>
1: yeah, we'll be doing this more often in the future. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. got figure out what everybody's favorite karaoke go-to karaoke song is. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, next question comes from Kevin A. Who asks: In light of the No Man's Sky controversy, in which the universe was generated and was not interesting enough. Or boring, as I'll say. What are your thoughts on a game with a confined space with extreme detail? So, would you ever make a game like Gone Home or The Last Express?
3: I love that kind of game. I think mm. the the level of uh, connection that you can have to the environment and to the characters in that environment that it does such a great job of purposefully world building, yeah, as mm-hmm. opposed to just letting the world build itself and just kind of you fill in the gaps because the gaps are so huge. Right, <laughs> you have to fill in the gaps. Mm-hmm. But games that games that are so purposefully designed like that, I think there's a lot of value there.
2: So I had a funny conversation with sure yesterday because we go to the we go to the gym to ride the game train Mm -hmm. and we saw there's a machine there that had these cables and it has adjustable arms and you could just kind of like adjust it and swing them around in all these different ways. And in all these gym machines, they have a little display that says what kinds of exercises you can do. And this one has a huge display on it. Yeah, it's like a
0: eight by 10 grid or something. Yeah, they're
2: just like, uh, here's every body part and here's 10 exercises you can do for each of them. And so sure, and I were looking at this and we're like, so is this like the no man's sky of gym equipment where they're like, (laughs) they're like, we made this thing and even we don't know what you can exercise with. So there's so many things you can do with it, right? Uh, But at the same time, so I'm looking at this and I'm like, I still just prefer not using this and going to use a machine that's actually designed to do the thing that it's supposed Mm -hmm. to be doing. Right. Uh, I think having a designed experience uh, has a lot more potential to mean something and have a good, a good experience for the end user. Right. Because if you just throw randomness at somebody that they can just kind of like do whatever they want with. um, Yeah. It's, it doesn't like, that's what the world is. Right. Mm -hmm. Like when you just walk outside, you can do whatever you want out there. Why do people not like walk out into the yard and just have their minds fucking blown every day? It's because it doesn't mean anything, right? Like <laughs> no, nobody nobody deliberately like created that experience for you to have to feel something or for it to mean something. Yeah,
3: right? But what's interesting is also there's, there's games like Spelunky and Binding of Isaac that are partly randomly generated, but partly very, very carefully designed mm-hmm. to create... Yeah, yeah. A really powerful experience, and yeah, I think yeah. that that's a really interesting cross section of the two. Because yeah, you, if you get, can do
0: both; it's good. Yeah,
3: you get a lot of indies who like you hear about the idea of procedural design as a shortcut. You know, mm-hmm. which which I guess in some cases might be easier for people to just uh, to to experiment with as a means to creating a larger experience. Mm-hmm. But I think to to be able to actually harness procedural design to create that uh, kind of intense, uh, very Uh, um, intended experience yeah, uh,
0: is a really exciting thing. Yeah. It's not a shortcut. I mean, like anything, um, you can take any game mechanic and just be like, you know, but well, like anything, if it's, if it's used well, then it's not a short, It, it can be used as a shortcut to generate, you know, content in the nebulous term of there's something there. And I think that's a what thing a, that exists. A thing that exists. <laughs> I think that's what a lot of people use when they disparagingly refer to procedural generation. I mean, and to be fair, that got really big all of a sudden, and everybody was doing it, which means most people were not doing it well because, it, like, with the original instances of it, were very carefully thought out. You know, things to provide those kinds of really cool experiences. And uh, like with anything, when it becomes popular and people just start using it because it's cool, you get a lot of bad stuff out of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, actually, some of the one of the earlier
2: games that I can think of that um, used the concept of random generation was Diablo.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. Um, where they, that was one of the big selling points of the game. Cause this thing was like, not a thing that people really did or understood at the time, but they were just like, yeah, every time you play the game, the world is generated differently. And people are like, Holy shit. <laughs> um, but the fact is the content of the game was universally the same, right? So yep. what, what you're fighting, what you encounter, the things you find, what you can do. um, It was all very tightly constrained just in a randomized physical space. Right. And I think the problem with sort of the, the trap probably that no man's sky fell into and, and in some sense, like the people who took the idea and ran way too far with it, um, is that having a lot of randomly generated stuff is the same thing as having interesting things to do, mm-hmm. right? Because cause you still need to design the things that you do. Just having things is not is insufficient.
1: Right. I think well, I think yeah. it's just super interesting that you have so as far as you know the opposites here, if you have gone home on one hand and no man's sky on the other hand, um, when you talk about sort of delivering a meaningful experience, both of them can do it. One of them does it by generating a fucking universe. The other one goes into someone's house mm-hmm. and just designs that down to the letter. And so it's just, it reminds me of that uh, the whole idea, it's a turtles all the way down mm-hmm. thing we always joke about. But the idea of just having, if you, if you work in a field or if you get super into a particular hobby or whatever else, you can focus on one thing, like woodworking or video games or anything else. And if you look at it with enough detail and generate more and more lenses to look at it through, then there is an infinite, there's just an infinite well. Essentially, every single time, and No Man's Sky versus Gone Home is sort of to me the interesting uh, difference between those two because you can literally generate an infinite well for people to go, or I guess puddle as as they're <laughs> referred to it, in No Man's Sky, to, to for people to skip across and, and check out
2: versus very narrow but deep well. Yeah, exactly, understand. and
1: that's what that was. You know that can. We did it with Crashlands in terms of mixing them both, where we did procedure-generated world, but then all the stuff is handcrafted as far as the story goes. Mm-hmm.
3: Um, Which I think is a fantastic way of doing it's it. It's a good blend, it because fits.
1: like, we couldn't build... We wanted to make an endless experience if you wanted to keep on running around and doing that particular aspect of gameplay. But, but really, we, we, we just, just
2: needed room to put everything.
1: Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> we simultaneously recognized that, that uh, a place that is random as far as the quests and as far as everything else, I frankly just where we're at right now is just too hard to pull off to make it. Well, we, we
2: experimented with the concept at the beginning of randomly generated quests yeah. and quest givers that was sort of like randomly assigned things but it it felt completely meaningless yeah right? because
1: after you see the second like oh because you essentially you, they're not random you f- you fall into certain archetypes of of quests go right. get this thing get that and you and the person.
2: patterns become naked
1: yeah and then yeah. suddenly it doesn't mean anything and there's never any change up so we have stuff in Crashlands where someone will go tell you to like bring a bomb to someone and then we make it look like the person exploded because you brought them this bomb Right, <laughs> which we wouldn't necessarily. Which be in a able random do. quest
2: that would require several steps of planning through this random system somehow, that or would... or
1: not even being able to happen, right? Yeah, so exactly. we're essentially able to break form a bunch by actually designing the experience. So yeah. I think well, the other part of
0: part. it too is that is that uh, randomized questing, if the. People mostly like quests. Sure, the the story helps them get into the quest, mm-hmm. but they're mostly looking for that reward at the end, right? Mm-hmm. So you do need both of those things. And when it's randomized, the the sort of story component can't be deep cuz it just doesn't work that way. Mm-hmm. And but also the reward that you get can't be meaningful, deeply carried out and meaningful right. because if it is, then it's probably going to break balance somehow. Mm-hmm. Unless your whole balance system for the game is tied to the random generation of quests. So that things are fed to you at the appropriate time. So you could, if you made a complicated enough machine, you could probably get some cool stuff but
1: out of it. Here's but the weird thing about it: though, you might as so well, design but it's that not so even. That gonna, yeah, it's not going
2: to
0: be better than just
2: designing.
1: Yeah, <laughs> so exactly. If it, if it took us three months to to. Basically implement all the story in Crashlands. Yeah.
0: Might do. as well make three months of story. Might as
1: well just, yeah. So if you're going to take three months to build, three to six months to build this procedural generation engine, which will actually still have a lot of shortcomings versus a human crafted story in terms of its ability to leap all over the place mm-hmm. and deliver a bunch of interesting content versus just a bunch of content, um, then you may as well just do it yourself. Yeah. Be a human.
3: Procedural generation for the sake of giving somebody an endless playground to play mm-hmm. in loses its power I yep. think, very quickly.
1: It's if important. There's
2: no toys on the playground to play. Yeah, it's important right? to
1: know, yeah, which which parts of the playground need to be yeah. vast.
3: Like procedural generation for the sake of making a world feel more lifelike, I mm-hmm. think is really great. Absolutely. And that is how you, I mean, that's what makes games like of Isaac and Spelunky mm-hmm. work, is because it is it feels like you're you're experiencing something new every time, even though there's a purposeful underlying right. goal. Mm-hmm.
2: Um Yeah, I guess a good if you want to take the playground analogy to the max, it would be like saying. This is an infinite playground, but all it is is just like just sand, sand <laughs> as far as the <laughs> I can see. Right. And you're like, well, I mean, technically it has one of the components of a playground, which is a place where the playground would be. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Um, versus somebody being like, oh, yeah, here's a place you can play. And there's a, you know, there's, there's some stuff. stuff to jungle do. Gym, right? There will yeah.
3: be monkey bars, but you have to find them. There will be a slide right. and some swings, right, but right. you're going to have to hunt.
0: Right. right. But just, yeah, just having. Well, an- now you'll find pieces of them while you're hunting, and then you can assemble it. And then eventually. <laughs> well, there's always three. That there has to be cool. three pieces. <laughs> that actually does sound good. <laughs> Playground tycoon.
3: Sa- sandbox. <laughs> sandbox, the game about sandboxes. Yes. <laughs> sandbox game. The yeah. sandbox game. <laughs>
1: Now that we've struck gold, we need to get to work on this idea. So uh, <laughs> thanks everybody for listening to Coffee with Butterscotch. Uh, give this a share. Give it a shout out to your buddies who are interested in game dev, indie games, games industry stuff in general, or caterpillars, or caterpillars.
0: Subscribe to us on whatever you listen to podcasts on. Leave us a little thummy thumb up thingy because That's as we a- know,
2: rating systems
0: are reliable and yep, super can- good.
3: <laughs> but if actually, it does, does help us a lot. It does help. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So, just go ahead and give us five stars or thumbs. Mm -hmm. Five thumbs, if possible.
3: Five
0: Five arbitrary thumbs.
3: Or eight. Yep, however many
0: you can manage to (laughs) get. Whatever the peak, the maximum is.